Hi folks, welcome to the next episode of uh, Serverless Crack with myself, Dave Anderson, um, technical fellow at Bizarre Voice and author and contributor at the Serverless Age. And check out our backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, hey everyone, Mark McCann, uh, architect at Globalization Partners and author and contributor at the Serverless Age. Hello, Michael O'Reilly, um, architect with GP and uh, contributor with the Serverless Edge as well. You'd think we'd a book coming out or something, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know. Is there a book behind me? Yeah. <sighs> Potentially. So we were, we've been going through the value flywheel effect kind of this past few episodes and talking about the different phases. Um, and strangely enough, as we have our book here, that it's, it's the, the core uh, mechanism we talk about in the book. And there's four phases. The first is um, clarity of purpose. Then we have challenge, next best action, long-term value. So today we're going to talk about next best action. It's kind of the third phase. Um, so let's start nice and simple. What is it? What is next best action? Who wants to take a crack at that? Mark, go ahead. You can start. You, uh, I think. You well, I think it's, it's like it, when you boil it right down. It's you know you've you've got your understanding. You've you've got your your north star. You've got your your clarity of purpose. You you understand your landscape. You've been challenged during that. But how do you start? So it really is the what is the next best thing you can do. I think, I think we in the book we may have even said this about right? doing the next right thing. So it is literally you know, what is the simplest thing you can start to do today to help you improve your lot, to help the, the flywheel turn a little smoother, to help you remove some ownership barriers. So like very simple terms is what is the next best thing you can do today, tomorrow, this week, this month? Yeah, I think it's there's no there's no hiding it in the book. I think we've got a preference towards. Um, serverless and um, serverless first type thinking you know like so conceptually you want your next best action to be focused on adding business value you don't really want your next best action to be focused on actually we're going to build a huge platform or have to spend you know the next six months working out what our runtime or infrastructure strategy is going to be so really you know your point mark it's you know we want to get going and we want to start adding value as quickly as possible so um so from a what perspective i think that's uh, i think that, 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 that bias for action is, is critical because you want to start getting feedback on the things that you're doing as well so you won't get any feedback if you do nothing right you yeah. won't you won't yeah. see if your hypothesis are, are proving to be correct or not if you don't try stuff and exactly. it takes it takes a little bit of courage and i think we talked in the last episode around your psychological safety and creating that environment for success so you know there are things that help Taking the next next best action, you know, do you want to be able to have lots of you know, options and lots of different bets that you can uh, try out to see what happens? But you want to get that that feedback. Uh, then, well, this didn't quite work. Okay, we'll try something else, right? And then, likely with your clarity of purpose, you have a value proposition. So for us, I mean, this is really there's two things: a frictionless developer experience, so your engineers can create value very quickly, and then that service first mindset, which is that how you decide what your choices you make. And let's maybe try and define that. For me, a service-first mindset is when you're selecting services and techniques to use in the cloud, you're electing for a serverless option first. And we don't just mean Lambda. You're probably going to use a managed service or something that you can rent. You're not going to build something from scratch. You, you need a capability. You want to see where can you rent that capability. And if that capability is not good enough, you'll fall back to maybe using a service. The very, and there's almost a fallback mechanism. And for compute, it's like Lambda, say Fargate, um, 
maybe like Kubernetes, uh, EC2, going right back down that kind of stack. Um, you kind of want to start with a service option first. A lot of people, when they feel like it's a maturity cycle and they'll start at the bottom. So, well, let's build it and then we'll work our way up to serverless. It, you should start with serverless and work your way back. That fallback mechanism. So that mindset, it, it, it runs across, you know, a storage, a whole bunch of different things. But in a nutshell, you should be renting all the services in, in, in that managed service or serverless style. That's, I wouldn't say it's commonplace yet, but that's certainly something we've we've had great success with. Yeah, and I think even, even in that scenario, like in my experience, you know, once you kind of get set up with serverless and you're, you you get the proficiencies and the teams into it, um, you find that you can do the majority of use cases leveraging that serverless, those serverless building blocks. And sometimes you will replace serverless building blocks with something a wee bit more dedicated for, you know, for if you're scaling up or you want something a wee bit more with you know um dedicated throughput you know performance reasons you know it's we're serverless first but not serverless only is really you know so we're but you get going and you get the mark says you get that rapid feedback and you learn you evolve yeah, yeah. Uh, like another critical one is around you know the team can control much more of these capabilities themselves mm. um so they're not as dependent on other teams for compute for hardware for networking because they can do a lot of these things themselves so that that growth in their autonomy means that they can try things out much more easily right there's less uh, coordination and handoffs to try to get you know an environment set up for them to experiment so they can do those next next best actions much more easily right they have a lot more of this in their own in their own control um, so the feedback loops are a bit, a bit tighter a bit faster so you can you can try out more things more, more quickly yeah and really i think it's trusting your cloud provider's platform and if they have the capability to do something, just use it. I mean, we've all seen teams that have a problem to solve. They go off from a framework, they spend three months at it, and then the other team will just drop it into their service and they find out by lunchtime if it works or not. Um, and then they keep going. You know, some teams lose sight of the business the business value and just go down a rabbit hole and never come up again. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we we, we have this in action, right? With teams who have good clarity of purpose, who have a good environment for success and follow the service-first approach, like you mentioned, they're having an idea in the morning and they have it working, a fully, fully working version of it in the hands of customers by the afternoon. Like yep. that's that's the speed that we're talking about here with when you have these things lined up properly. Well, you find teams are actually too fast for go to market. Yeah. It's 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 the organizational constraints are slowing them down. It's not the fact that it takes slow, it's long to build. So I mean, that's the wee bit of the why it's important because the next best action for me implies responsiveness and speed. It's not about how quickly you type. It's about how quickly it's the time to value, how quickly you can get value in the hands of customers yeah. and see if that works. And I think like we, we've touched on a little bit, but having that, that frictionless developer experience is key for this next best action. So you know, can you remove those impediments to fast flow that your developers face? Can you remove those manual handoffs? Can you make sure that there's a golden path to production for, for, for teams to, to get their, their value into the hands of their customers? So I think you know, a lot of the early next best actions for organizations should be around you know, making sure that that pathway to production is smooth and, and very you know, um, compelling for developers and that developer experience is, is, is world-class. So I think that then speeds up all the other things we talk about um, around you know, doing these experiments and taking those other next best actions. Yeah. Yeah. Want... Sorry. Sorry, Dave. And, and again, like I, I think, you know, it's uh, it's important to qualify it, you know, with 
it does take a wee bit of time for teams to get up to levels of maturity and expertise and you know going serverless first is no less technical than say going down like a, a traditional route with you know um you know traditional kind of methods of, of software architecture so um i don't know we kind of get into that with the next phase in terms of uh, you know um long-term value and and how we talk about that so so yeah but it's, it's difficult but once you get up and go on with it um yeah it's it's phenomenally powerful for the organization and one thing that we, we sometimes see when we speak to a new team is like how do we start and for us the, that that idea of mapping your solution or mapping your stack is a great way to engage a team and you just wordly map out and you're maybe your 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 customer or your user of your software is is the anchor and you just start mapping down the software components like it could be you start with your your ui and you start mapping down different components and that could even be how you deploy your software and what you'll find with it often with the traditional team is there's lots of components in the custom space yeah and then i mean that I, I know how we, we've done this loads of times and you, you draw the map out without saying much and you say, well, what slows you down? And the team always point to the stuff at custom. It's always like, yeah, that thing there is a nightmare. So, and it's like, well, how do we move that across? And it's like, well, it's too complicated. We can't rewrite it. And you're like, okay. So I know, I mean, we've seen that many times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenally um, good technique for discovering where those opportunities lie. And um, where are those Um Ideals sort of components that you can experiment with to move towards a, a more serverless first approach. So you can look at the value yeah. chain and go, right, okay, this component here. Let's, let's have a chat about that. Let's let's see if we can get you off this custom built thing and the managed service. No, it's it's an awesome, it's an awesome actually, it's a really good point, Dave. And we do go into that in the in the book as well. So I think um like when we, when you do that, but you also make sure the value chain contains the skills and the and the, the investment and training specific sort of um you know tooling or or servers or runtimes and you, and you just see how much actual you know time is spent in sort of the operational side of kind of non-serverless kind of value streams and then you, you get and if you sit with a business person in that 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 sort of conversation as well it, it definitely you can definitely make a very good case for switching to sort of more yeah. efficient serverless first approaches yeah, it think, completely joins the dots. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Totally. And I, I think you know, like we, we say this a lot, uh, but code is a liability. And by mapping out your tech stack and by adopting a serverless first approach, you can really start to tackle those code liabilities. So that you know, if if you're 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 not going to be hit by some of these you know, uh, old systems that have been left of the decay over time, and you, know, you need to rapidly make a change to them and you can't you can't respond you can't respond fast enough because you haven't paid down your your code liability so i think mapping your stack addressing serverless really helps to minimize those code liabilities and gets you on a path towards um really really minimizing those um those things that you have to worry about and keep you button out yeah and then you, you talk about like i mean uh what happens if we don't do this and i mean you don't talk about the what we call the the framework mentality if i had a pound for the time this happened someone decides they're going to write a framework and they can do it faster than anyone else they rock out a framework over the weekend and that becomes the new um you know foundation for this next big project and you get version one of the production and everyone's really happy and this this developer's a rock star because they just rocked out this framework and then like a year later that framework is the very thing that's slowing down this huge project and no one can really understand why we did this thing in the first place um so if your next best action is let's write a framework no that's never the right idea um 
sometimes those those quick fixes that you do in your first release in code, as you say, Mark, that code is a liability that will absolutely slow you down in future releases. Yeah, yeah, the framework, the framework fixation, <clears throat> and and like I'll I'll say it, I I kind of feel like um, you know, since we moved the majority of our teams and sort of our engagements over to serverless first engagements. I think it's it's probably helped us become a wee bit more liberal, maybe a bit more creative with regards architectural design, you know, architectural creativity, you know, thinking of new ways to solve different problems, you know. Um mm. you're you're there's nothing you realize once you kind of break out of that mold that you have been sort of thinking in sort of constrained, very constrained ways. Um, you have been working the organizational patterns. It has been very constrictive. So I, yeah, I, I think if you don't do it, you know, you you, you are limiting what you what you're thinking, and, I and, think, and you're limiting possibilities there. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, I mean, and again, like frameworks were 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 kind of big in the '90s, as you say, and I, I've been through all this with with many companies, and frameworks a lot of time constrain teams and lock them in, and I think that's one of the reasons why AWS is so successful because they don't have a framework. What they have is atomic services you call, it's building blocks, and they don't lock in with the framework. And like I even popular frameworks, the things like you know that are out in the in the even like the likes of Spring was very framework at the start, and this go down the more component based. So you'll see a lot of that whole overarching framework idea that does slow stuff down. Like so it's it's for me there's we're now at a time where you can use your provider. You say, give me an atomic service or capability and just use that and not worry about what's behind it. It's, it's like the domain-driven stuff. Yeah, they're, they're much more enabling constraints rather than constraints that slow you down. And I think you know, if your next best actions are always around patching or upgrading or hardening or getting ready for scale, then you really, <laughs> you're really not delivering much business value. What you want to be doing is, again, adopting that serverless-first mindset and approach so that your cloud provider is basically your platform team who are constantly upgrading, constantly making performance improvements, constantly making it more secure. And you're getting all that for, you know, for, for, for dollars, right? For, for pennies. And you're focusing your time on the differentiated stuff, on delivering business yeah. value, on delivering outcomes and impact. So you know this whole next best action, you know, there's smells here around what your yeah. next best actions are. If they're always around hardening and patching and securing stuff, you need to have a think about what can you do better to, to minimize that in the future. Well, that's yeah. a good one. If, if your next best action is fixed infrastructure and you're not an infrastructure company, you've done something wrong. It needs to be something about your own business value proposition. Yeah. Couldn't agree cool. more with that. Well, that's the crack. That was good, good, good conversation. So thanks for that. Um, so have a look at the uh, blog on theserverlessage.com and give us a follow on Twitter at the Serverless Age and check us out on YouTube and Medium. Thanks very much. And look at the book. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye.